Welcome to Profits Affogato, a podcast all about growing a profitable business that pours over into your life. I'm your host, Sarah Verhayen, online entrepreneur, wife, and mom of two. I'm the owner of Marish Books, where we help small business owners grow their profits by embracing the number side of their business. It's our mission to make business and accounting more human. Whether you consider yourself not a numbers person or you think playing in spreadsheets is a fun time, you're welcome here. So pour a cup of coffee and join me for inspiration, stories, and action steps to create the life of your dreams and a business you love. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have Amanda Warfield. Amanda is a simplicity-focused content marketing strategist and host of Chasing Simple, a podcast to help creative entrepreneurs uncomplicate their life and biz. She traded in her classroom lesson plans for speaking and educating creative entrepreneurs on sustainably fitting content marketing into their business without it taking over their business. Now a two-time business owner, she spends her time helping one-on-one clients creating content marketing plans and teaching her students to batch their content so that they have time to move the needle in their business and find work-life balance. If her nose isn't in a book, you can find Amanda annoying her husband by slipping Disney into every conversation or forcing her cats to snuggle. I am so excited to have you on the podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I have really been looking forward to this. Awesome. Yeah. So we, you are actually one of the first online business people I ever found. It's funny. So I was following Lakin, playing with Lakin on YouTube, and she took your course. It was a course then. Now it's a community Mm -hmm. content batching. And she was talking about it and how she recommended it for anybody who did content at the time. I didn't have a business. And I was like, that'd be cool to have a business and have content. (laughs) So random. And then I end up... (laughs) So originally, I think I've told this story on my podcast, but you know, I was originally going to do a blog and then I was like, maybe I should do bookkeeping. Like that's something I could do now. And it kind of went from there. But anyway, we were chatting before this episode and I was telling you how grateful I was that I found you basically before starting a business, but right at the beginning of my business so that I was introduced to the concept of content batching so early. And I had a system that was sustainable you know, as long as I like stuck to it (laughs) to get all that content out there. So anyway, enough about me. This is about you. Can you give your background on how you got into your business? Yeah. I just want to say first, I think it's so interesting and intriguing because your business has really taken off quickly. I mean, it's taken off very quickly, a lot quicker than a lot of people's online businesses do when they're starting from absolute scratch. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's because you had a sustainable content system, but I'm not, I am saying it probably didn't hurt. Right. It probably helped a lot yes. because you were able to put that content out on a consistent basis right off the bat. And I just, I think that's really interesting. Obviously, there's a lot more to getting a business started than just <laughs> having a content system, but I do think that's a very interesting case study. And also kept me going rather than like being on the hamster wheel and just quitting after like three months and being like, well, this isn't working and I'm exhausted. <laughs> right. Because you weren't you were able to do so much more other than right. just put content out there. You were able to really make the moves to move that needle so that you could see progress and get clients and figure out what your bookkeeping packages were going to be and things like that. So yes. it's an interesting case study. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the way that I got into my business is honestly by total accident. I was teaching preschool before I started my business and I loved teaching. I absolutely love teaching. But we, my husband and I, were in this place where he was in the military and he did not get a lot of time off because of that. And 
as a teacher, my schedule was very fixed. I mean, you know, you got spring break, you got Christmas break, and you got summer break. And then because I was teaching preschool, usually I had to run summer camps in the summer to actually make a paycheck because you don't get paid in the summer if you're not working. And so I I had time off, but it was very restricted and he didn't have much time off. And then it was also very much like, we're going to tell you when you can take time off and that's it. And so we were running into this issue where we weren't able to spend much time together because when he had a day off, I was working. And when I had a day off, he was working. And I really, really, really wanted to find something that would allow us more freedom and flexibility. And I looked into VA stuff and I, I, I looked into all these different things and nothing felt right. And then I started feeling very called to just start my own blog. And at first it was about simplicity and capsule wardrobes and things like that. And then over the years, it evolved more into time management productivity. And from there, I ended up I ended up learning how to batch my own content because a dog had peed on our carpets in our house, the previous owner's dog, and we had to rip them all out. And because we were redoing our master, the carpet couldn't be replaced for like six months. And in order for me to record my podcast, as you know, audio is very, very important, that quality. Subfloor is not the best for audio quality. And so every time I would record, I'd have to lay out blankets all over my office floor. And that got old really, really, really quickly. And at the time I was recording once a week, I would lay them all out, I would record, I would put them away, I would edit the podcast, put it up, do the same thing the next week and the next week. And that got old so fast. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do a month's worth at a time. And that just kept going on and on and on until I figured out my own system. And I shared it one day on Instagram because I was talking about productivity and time management. And I was like, oh, listen to this really cool way that I can manage my time better. This has been great for me. And people lost their minds. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, let me talk about that again. So I shared more about it. And people lost their minds again. And so then I turned it into an entire course, which like you said, is now a membership. And it's just kind of continuously evolved over the years. When I would do live calls during club content batching, I would get questions about different strategy sides of things. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're here for. But the more people asked, the more I realized, oh, I do actually know that. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, I just continued to hone those skills. And that is a very long explanation of how we got here. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love the long explanations. And something, yeah, that I get a lot from you is how good you are at launching and like all the other marketing stuff other than, you know, putting out content, but with the intention behind it, which I think is lacking. And a lot of people like myself included early on, like if you're going to do all this work, there needs to be a strategy and intention behind it. I think that so many people don't realize all there is that goes into a launch because we see the tip of the iceberg when mm -hmm. someone else is launching and we go, oh, they're putting out a Facebook challenge, or they're putting out a pop-up podcast, or they're putting out some kind of thing, and that's how they're launching. But in reality, that's the teeniest, tiniest little bit of what their launch strategy actually is. And, you know, it's really a multi-month process that they're doing and creating and leading people through, and we don't even realize they're doing it. And so a lot of times, especially newer entrepreneurs will go, oh, I'm going to launch something in two weeks. And I'm like, so what now? <laughs> what? <laughs> Please don't do that. But I do. I love launching. I love the strategy side of things and the mm -hmm. the getting to pull all the different pieces together. And again, the productivity, the time management, the product management, all of that plays into the launch strategy as well. And so that makes me really excited too. So yeah, that's something that I've really found a passion for that 
if you had told me that this is what I would be doing way back when I was teaching preschool, I would have thought you had lost your mind. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are. However many years later, five, six, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I don't have launching in my business plan, which I think is fortunate because even I like, even though I only t- see the tip of the iceberg, I'm like, even that looks overwhelming. Like you have to send out how many emails and do all these things. And But if I ever do need a launch, you're the one that I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think you have a tool or something for that, right? In your shop. Oh, for sure. I've got all kinds of tools to help with launches. But the first launch is the hardest. Mm. After that, ideally, you're it's like with content, you want to be consistent, right? You're ideally relaunching the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so you reuse what you already created for the last launch and you just tweak it and improve it. And so the first launch is always the hardest. It's the most overwhelming, the most time consuming, which is why there are people like me who offer a launch support so that you can get it launched and get it out there. And then once you have it launched, it's just a matter of, okay, here's how it went. Here's how I want it to go next time. What needs to be improved? And then just reuse what you've already got. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, in my mind, thinking through content batching, like, first of all, I would love for you to just go high level about what is content batching if somebody's not doing it yet? Like, where do they start? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so content batching is literally just creating a month's worth of content at one time. There are a lot of people out there who think they're batching their content by sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to create all of my content for next month in the next two days. And then they go, okay, first I'm going to write the first blog post and then I'm going to edit the first blog post. And then I'm going to structure it and create the graphics and all that. And then I'm going to schedule it. And then that's the first step. And the next step is to do the next blog post. That's not batching content. That's just creating a lot of content at one time. Mm -hmm. There are so many different parts of your brain that are working for each of those different steps. You know, writing works one part of your brain. Editing works a different part of your brain. Creating those graphics works a totally different part of your brain. And what we want to do is we want to consolidate how much effort your brain has to put into creating content by focusing step by step instead of content piece by content piece. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to make the first blog post and then I'll do the second one, you're actually going to write the first blog post, write the second one, write the third one, so on and so forth, and then move on to editing. You're going to do all the writing up front. They are going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. First thing off the bat, that is what editing is for, and that's okay. (laughs) But focusing step-by-step instead of content piece by content piece is going to make it so that it's faster, so that it's simpler, and so that your brain doesn't feel quite so just wrung out by the end of the day. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting when I first started in your program, your membership, because yeah, I was the same way. I was like, okay, so that means I just sit down and record five podcasts, you know, start to finish, publish, upload <laughs> all at once. But even like when it takes the pressure off of yourself too, it takes you away from that blank cursor, like conundrum of like, I know it's going to be terrible. I'm just going to write it. And that's all I have to do is just write five posts. Like they can be the worst posts I've ever written. They just have to get done. And then the next day, and you also have time built in there to reflect on it and think about it and like, oh, I should add this in or, oh, I want to tweak this, you know? And it takes, to me, it takes a lot of the pressure out of making something perfect. Yeah. It's like a permission slip to just start with what you've got and then worry about the rest on a different day. And you just focus on one thing at a time. Some people will batch all of their like month of content in a day or two. That's doable. I like to spread mine out over a whole week. Mm-hmm. Yes, it makes it so that I don't have as much time to work on other projects in my business. 
quote unquote, because in reality, it still gives me more time. But in theory, okay, it's five whole days or four whole days off a month where all I'm doing is creating content. But because I can spread it out like that, I have that time to really reflect and make it quality content as well as being able to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. So in my my mind, it seems like the first you know solopreneur who's doing it all themselves would be doing all of the content themselves. And of course, the beauty in that is it frees up the rest of the month to do work on their business or in their business. As somebody is growing and scaling and they identify parts that they don't necessarily love doing like podcast editing or, you know, even like hiring a VA to like schedule and upload and publish and stuff. How do you in your business and like your clients' businesses start to outsource that? And do you have kind of recommendation on how to decide what to outsource? For me, the first thing I outsourced was podcast editing because I absolutely hate it. I hate it with a passion. And it was always the day that took me the longest. Mm. And I just felt like I was having to drag myself through it. The whole time I was doing it, I was mumbling. I'm like, stupid. I hate this. I hate this. So, you know, I was so angry every time I had to sit there and edit the podcast. And it's not like it's difficult. And that was what got me. I was like, this is not a difficult task, but Mm -hmm. I really, really don't like it. And if I continue trying to do it myself, I know it's going to stop me from being consistent. And so for me, that is how I decided. I would tend to think that's probably the best way to decide. But you might have a different thought on that because that's not necessarily the best way I would think to get ROI unless you're looking at it as a, well, I get ROI because I'm going to be able to stay consistent. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that, actually. Yeah. And also energy ROI. If it's something that's draining your energy and you feel, you know, if it takes you to burn out faster, then it's better for you to outsource it. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, like if somebody was like, I want to outsource everything possible and I guess the bare minimum that they would be doing would be recording podcasts because nobody else can do that. Nobody else can be your voice. Probably doing some writing, although copywriters could help with that too. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different things you could outsource. Mm -hmm. You could outsource the strategy of it so Mm -hmm. that you're not having to come up with what to say. If you work with someone like me, that's a content marketing strategist. That's what I do for my clients is we sit down and we say, okay, what is it that you're going to talk about for each piece of content? What's the hook? What's the call to action? What's the topic? And then they can take it and either create it themselves or hand it off. So you could have a copywriter, you could have a VA, you could have a social media manager who takes what the strategist has created and puts it into practice. You could outsource editing of video and audio content You could, you know, there are different people who work specifically for different platforms. There are people who work just on Instagram and there are people who work just on TikTok. So yeah, when it comes down to it, if you really wanted to outsource absolutely everything, you could potentially only really need to record audio and video content and then people can edit it and splice it and actually do all the work to turn it into pieces of content. Mm Mm-hmm. And what tips do you have around repurposing content? Because we all have so much content that we put out there that I'm sure has so much more future potential to reuse. So first things first, don't be afraid to literally just reuse content that you already have. If possible, updating it a bit is even better. But if you're just in this space of burnout, I know we've been talking about that, Mm -hmm. where I'm feeling really burnout. You mentioned that you've been feeling burnt out. If you're in that space of burnout, literally take content you've already created and reuse it. Just reuse it. 
It doesn't matter. Most people aren't going to see it. And if they have, they probably don't remember that they saw it anyways. And even if they do remember it, that means they're a super fan and they're probably glad for their reminder. So <laughs> that's one way you can repurpose content. But another thing that I really, really encourage everyone to do on a fairly consistent basis is look at your long form content, which would be blog posts, podcast episodes, and then YouTube videos. That's all long form content. Look at those and see what chunks you can take out of it. For every piece of long form content, I guarantee that you could turn it into five to 10, if not more, smaller pieces of content. Take that topic, turn it into an email. And if you have a podcast or YouTube, get the transcription and then literally copy and paste. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a blog post, obviously, you can always copy and paste, but turn those audio and video components into transcripts and copy and paste to make it easier. Same thing for social media content. If you have a YouTube channel, you can take clips out of your YouTube and turn that into a reel or a TikTok. You can, again, take that transcript and turn it into written captions. There's so much you can do. And you pour so much time and energy into your long form content when you're creating it. It is, it is a true labor of love. And so often we get caught up in, I don't know what to post on social media. I don't know what to say. What am I? I don't know. We get so focused on the social media that we forget that we have this wealth of long form content that we have spent literally hours creating and we create those and we forget about them. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh yeah, I, like we don't tell our audience they even are out there and I'm just as guilty of this, but we don't tell our audience it's out there. We don't share it more than once. If we do share it, we forget to post it on all the different platforms but that's where we should really be drawing from when it comes to email marketing and social media marketing is always go back to that long form content. Yeah, that's such such good advice. Burnout. Let's talk burnout. Yeah, so I feel like mine is slash was like a mini burnout. And it for me, it took just some reflection and talking to my coach about like, what, why don't I feel excited about my business? What doesn't feel exciting? And, you know, we identified that it was a specific package that I need to tweak. And so we're working through how to do that. I'm curious, is this your first season of burnout in your business or have you had one before several? <laughs> what lessons have you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel like if I'd learned lessons, I wouldn't be here again. No, no. <laughs> there's um, always new ones. <laughs> I think I was reflecting on this the other day because where I'm at right now currently, just total transparency for everyone listening, is I am feeling really extreme burnout. Some of the, the most extreme burnout that I have ever experienced. And as this is day three of me trying to actively recover from burnout, and I have really taken a step back in my business, I'm writing a list of three things that I need to get done each day. And that's all I'm doing. And that's between like household management and both of my businesses, three things. And that, and sometimes I'm not even getting to that, to be totally honest. But I am majorly stepping back in every way possible and really listening to what my body needs because I have gotten to a place where it is very, very, very extreme. But I was reflecting the other day and I was like, man, when I was teaching, I would feel burned out. Or I mean, as humans, we all feel burned out at some point, right? I would feel burned out, but I was able to go into work and work through it anyways. I didn't take time off because I felt burned out. And I was like, what is different about this now? And I realized that before I was working for myself and before I was an entrepreneur, I was able to go into work and go on autopilot. Mm -hmm. So even though I was there and I was showing up, 
I was teaching on autopilot because these are lessons that I had taught for years. There are things, it's not new. It's just simply like, okay, let me get through the day. You can't do that as an entrepreneur. There is with every single task that you do, there's some kind of strategy involved in it. There's something you have to be intentional about. There's something that you have to think through. Even if it's as simple as you're organizing your files, you've got to do it strategically so that whether you have a VA now or you're going to have them in the future, they can find it, right? There's always a really strategic intention behind everything you do as an entrepreneur. And so you can't go on autopilot. There really isn't autopilot as an entrepreneur. And that was something that I realized the other day. I was like, oh, well, no wonder because I was kind of beating myself up, right? Like, oh, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to like go to work anyways when I was feeling burnt out. And now I'm like, oh, there's probably a reason I shouldn't be working eight hours a day because right. there isn't that ability to go on autopilot. There isn't that water cooler chat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I think that as entrepreneurs, we're always going to have seasons of burnout. I just mm-hmm. think it's normal and it's going to be kind of an up and down thing. Maybe, you know, listen to your body sooner than I did. So you don't get to this place. (laughs) But other than that, I really don't have any like advice because I'm figuring out myself right now. Definitely in the messy middle. Yeah, for sure. As you were talking, I was thinking too, the difference between entrepreneurship and being an employee is how, how much more like authentic energy entrepreneurship requires. And so as you're saying on autopilot of just showing up to work, like there's almost like this mask of like, this is work, Sarah, you know, versus when you're an entrepreneur, like, this is Sarah, like the whole point of my business is to be myself. And so if I'm not feeling up to something, it feels inauthentic to be like, Hey, guys, you know, all cheery when I'm not. So yeah, I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. And there's also so much more pressure. As an entrepreneur, I mean, there's, I would be lying if I said that there wasn't a part of me that is very scared. Like if I take a step back, what's going to happen to the business. Yeah. I'm doing it anyways because mentally I need it. Mm-hmm. But there is a part of me that's like, man, I don't know. Am I going to get to prepping for Black Friday? Mm-hmm. Am I going to fill my one-to-one spots for next year? There's a part of me that is very nervous about that. And that's a, a scarcity mindset that I'm having to work through right. as I'm working through all of the burnout. But there is so much more pressure as an entrepreneur too, as you're going through burnout, because you can't go on autopilot all the way. You can't. There's always that like, I have bills to pay. I have commitments, people that I have committed to paying over the next few months. And if I'm not bringing in an income, what does that look like? Yeah. So what does your content look like right now? We are recording on the 2nd of November. Yeah. So because I batched my content, (laughs) thank goodness it's not something I'm really worried about right now. I have all of November done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to kind of take a step back. (laughs) I have in two weeks, it'll be batch week again. And at that time, Hopefully I'll be feeling better, but I really don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not, I will reuse content. Yeah. I will go in and say, okay, for December, what is the simplest way that I can create content for December? And then reuse, repurpose all of the things so that that's not a problem. Luckily, I do already have December podcast episodes recorded because I did a bunch of interviews and it's going to be mostly interviews for that month. And then I... I'm just going to probably reuse things. And I do at this point, I have a podcast editor and I have a VA. And so I'm going to probably hand most of it off to them, Mm -hmm. but it'll be a lot of, okay, I'm going to literally reuse some content, maybe from last December, even, I don't know. We'll find out if that's necessary. Yeah. So when we were chatting before, you mentioned something about marketing processes and sales processes and how they're not the same. Can you tell me more about that? Okay. So 
a lot of times, and I, I am also, even as a content marketing strategist, I am really guilty of having thought this in the past, but marketing and sales are not the same things. And a, a lot of times we put all this pressure on our marketing to make sales for us. And if they do, that's great, but that's not actually the purpose of it. So marketing is bringing in your people, essentially. It's a place to say, hey, this is who I am. Like you were saying, like this is authentically me, my business and I, yes, we're separate, but also we're kind of not. Like it's still, it. I am a personal brand over here. It's to bring people in that are ideal customers, ideal clients, and that get you in some way, shape, or form, right? I know a lot of people connect with me because of my cats. A lot of people connect with me because of college sports. Like there are a lot of like weird (laughs) Disney. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even forget that. But there are a lot of ways that people are like, oh, I'm like you in this way. And so they come in because of that. They stay for good content. They stay for value and they stay because they begin to get to know you. And so marketing is all about nurturing your people. It's all about building relationships with audience members that come and that stay. You should be selling through your marketing, right? That's something that we avoid way too often. But just selling in your marketing isn't a sales process. So a sales process would be what happens after you get someone to a sales page. So marketing, you want to bring people in, you want to nurture them, you want them to say, oh, I want more of what she or he or they are offering. Let me go look at the sales page. Let me go look at the application for this. Marketing is to bring them to that point. Everything that happens after that is a sales process. So your sales page, that's a sales process. Your checkout form, that's a sales process. Your application, your workflow inside of HoneyBook or Dubsado, that's all a sales process. And so they're two very separate things. And all too often, we think that our marketing is going to do all the heavy lifting for us. What are some KPIs that you track either for marketing or sales or both, or that you recommend your clients track? Okay. So KPIs are hard because a lot of times, and I say a lot of times, I was really bad about this at the beginning. If someone said you should track this number, I tracked it, even if I had no idea what to do with that number. Yeah. And so I can tell you some of the KPIs that I track, but really when it comes to knowing what KPIs you should be tracking, it comes down to what your goals are. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say that your goal is to book more one-to-one bookkeeping clients. Okay. So if if that was me, I would be tracking how many people land on the sales page for that service, how many people apply from that sales page how many people then move through each part of the process, right? Two big ones there. How many people land on that sales page? How many people actually apply? If you're looking at it and you're like, well, okay, the conversion rate's really low. I get 100 people a month looking at that sales page and only one or two that actually apply. Okay, one or 2% conversion rate. Not terrible, but also could be better. That's what I want to focus on improving. Well, then you need to focus on the sales page itself. That, that's what that KPI would indicate. But if you're like, hmm, I only have like 10 people a month landing on the service page, but two or three of those each month apply, well, then you know it's not a conversion. The sales page is doing its job. It's a getting enough eyes on the page. And so that KPI would tell you, okay, I need to market and get more people over to this sales page. So that that's how I would work backwards from that. Here's my goal. Okay, 
What kind of things can I track based on my sales and my marketing processes? And then what do those tell me needs to be fixed or improved in the next month or the next quarter? And the follow-up was that really convoluted. No, that was a super helpful example and a good example of why like numbers aren't you know universal, I guess. It is very specific to your situation. So how often are you looking at your KPIs? So I have a set where each week I track them. Mm-hmm. And then I have a set of monthly KPIs that I'm tracking. So my weekly KPIs are going to be things like, you know, how many shop sales did I have? How many podcast downloads for that week? How many speaking pitches did I send out? Things like that, that I'm tracking on a weekly basis to make sure I am working towards goals that I have. My monthly KPI tracker is more so a a broad overview. So how many page views did I get for the entire month just on my website period? How many different unique visitors did I get for the entire month on my website? What was my most popular page after home? Because home is always going to be the most popular. (laughs) What's my most popular blog post? What was my most popular podcast episode? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a big overview so that I can look back year after year and after year and say, okay, this hasn't changed or this has changed or this is a pattern. But the weekly one is where I'm really looking at, okay, here are my goals. Mm -hmm. Here are the KPIs that I've worked backwards from those goals to track. As a fellow numbers nerd, I'm sure you can tell how appreciative I am of these spreadsheets. So did you develop your own KPI worksheet? Yeah, they... And do you have templates to sell? (laughs) I I was like, I need one of those. (laughs) I don't. The weekly process one I got from... Erin Hayworth. Mm, on the podcast. Yes, yes. Okay. So I got my weekly one from her and then have tweaked it to mm-hmm. make it my own. I honestly, my monthly one, I do not even remember. Where I think I like Googled different KPI <laughs> numbers to track. And it's funny as I'm looking at it right now, it has definitely evolved. The first year in business, I had 16 KPIs that I tracked mm-hmm. and now I'm up to 38. Oh my gosh. So- it's just kind of grown and evolved. Yeah, and there are more that I want to add for next year too that I'm already thinking of. So I think I just Googled like KPIs to track as a mm-hmm. business owner. Well, I that Maybe that should be something I sell. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I'm like already thinking, I'm going to re-listen to this episode and write down all the different ones. Maybe. So yeah, and that's your list. <laughs> so I'm guessing this is something you do for clients too, is like help them identify which KPIs to track based on their goals and kind of back into that. So kind of, that's a really good idea that I could start doing. Something I do is I track their analytics and then I use that in the strategy side of things. Mm -hmm. But giving them KPIs to track probably would be a great idea too. This is very helpful. But yeah, I track their different, their analytics throughout their different platforms and then also on their website. And then we'll go through and I'll go, okay, well, maybe we should update this on this page and this on this page. And it's funny, I actually had a client, you know, Sometimes you send clients home with homework and they don't do it mm-hmm. and that's okay because we're all busy. But I had a client actually do the website improvement homework that we had talked about in that same week. She got 10 inquiries. Wow. 10. And I was like, oh, snap. Maybe I do know what I'm talking about. That's great. <laughs> wow. You know, it's always nice to have that validation, but it, is. it was just like, oh, this is what happens when, you know, so if you're hiring a coach or, you know, you're hiring someone to help you maybe do the homework they give you, but just maybe <laughs> you're paying for it and it, right. might, it might just help. But yeah, that's another thing as we go through the website, we're like, okay, mm-hmm. if we're landing people on the website, but there are issues on the website that 
sales process isn't going to convert. And then it makes it look like I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So that's something that I do help clients with. It's like, okay, let's make sure the website is tightened up a little bit. (laughs) Make sure it actually does its job. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) If anyone is wondering what KPIs that they should start tracking, send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what your goal is. And then we can go back and forth and chat about maybe what some good KPIs for you to start tracking would be. And I'm Mrs. Amanda Warfield over on Instagram. Definitely take her up on that because I have bounced things off of your brain many times and you are always so helpful on that. So yes, I, I, try. I love I love to, to kind of work things out and puzzle piece things out with people. So definitely yes. open to that if anyone is just like, I don't even know where to begin with KPIs for my content. Let's chat about it. So to wrap up, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all my podcast guests, which is if you could tell yourself anything a year ago, what would it be? It could be advice. It could be encouragement, tough love, and feel free to give context about where you were a year ago. So I think I'm going to relate this back to the burnout. And we talked about this before we started recording, but a large reason that I am in this extreme burnout is because when I started this year, one of my goals and one of my intentions for the year was to really focus on doing less. And, you know, I started therapy because I have, you know, some inner issues where I I don't feel worthy of doing less. And there's there was that component. I read a ton of books about doing less. I started implementing a Sabbath where I'm not on my phone or electronics or anything that just like steals my time away for from sundown on Saturday all the way until I wake up Monday morning. And, you know, I've been better about ending my workday at a specific time, making sure I'm working out with my husband at least three times a week, going out and walking, eating better, taking time to feed myself breakfast because I've always yelled at people for not giving themselves a lunch break, but then I never ever would eat breakfast. I would just skip it and go right to work. And so I've been really, really, really intentional over this year doing those things. And it's it's been great. What I realized last week was that while I did that and I did all of that well, and I, and obviously it's an ongoing process, but those goals were met and are continuously being worked on. What I didn't do was give myself less projects in my business. And in fact, I gave myself more. I'm in the middle of writing a book. I launched a couple really big things this year. It's, it's been a very full year and it's been great, but I gave myself more work to do than ever in less time than I ever had. And so I realized last week that that was the cause of why I've got this extreme burnout now. And if I could go back to last year, to this time last year, I would just maybe tell myself that that was going to be an issue or to do less or to remind myself that taking away time from work means I can't do as much as I think I'm going to be able to do and that it's good and that I should be doing that but that I need to also peel back how much I expect to complete this year. Mm -hmm. Because up until um, October, maybe September, I was a solopreneur. Like I just hired my VA in the last couple of months. And so I was doing it all myself and it, it wasn't sustainable clearly because now I'm at this place of extreme burnout. So anyways, if I could go back a year, I think that's definitely what I would tell myself is that I'm not going to be able to achieve as much as I thought I was going to. Yeah, that is such a good, important note of like, 
start by scheduling time for yourself, but then also take things away. <laughs> like yeah, don't just don't. block out the time and, oh, I'll get the rest of it done in the less time. <laughs> Which like when you say it out loud, it sounds know, so no. silly. It's like, well, duh, obviously. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, 11 months into the year, that never connected in my mind that that was something I needed to do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, no, that's I- right. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to step back and like actually do the math of, okay, so how many hours do I want to work? <laughs> Will this all fit? Because that's something that I has changed in my goal setting process is like, how many hours do I want to work? And let me actually like plug in, even if I'm not going to do something at the time I say, just put it in there, just see if it all fits. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, it doesn't fit. So what can go? Well, and it's so hard because you just never know how long a project's going to take, especially if it's one that you've never done before. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know how long it was going to take to write a book. How was that? Like, yeah, you just go in and you figure it out as you go. Right. And so that's always been hard for me is like, I, I have unrealistic expectations of how quickly something can get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking about it's November, this episode is going to air either end of November, early December, which is a great time to start thinking about what you want. My listeners, what you want 2023 to look like. And I have taken your workshop a year was it a year in preview, right? Mm -hmm. I've gone through it twice, which I was actually like, how did that happen? Because I've been in business less than two years, but I just took it at the beginning of my business and at the end of the first year into the second year. So that's how I took it twice. Anyway, it's a great workshop. I love it. And I love your brain, how you basically block off, you know, the contents get batching weeks and deciding when you want to work. I think you start with that too, of how much time do you want to take off? That's Mm -hmm. where we start. What life, what do you want life to look like? And then we'll fit the business in. Yeah. So this workshop is all about planning your next year in business and it goes into some of the content stuff, but it's really about those foundational pieces because even though I haven't lived it out well this year, I am really passionate about the fact that I want my business to support my life. I mean, that's the whole reason I started my business, the whole reason I started looking outside of teaching in a traditional sense, because I I wanted a business that would allow me that flexibility to spend time with my husband when he was off. And now he works a shift schedule and we're five, six years into this business. And now he's on shift and I'm able to change my days around for when he's off, even if it's the middle of the week, I can be off. And it's, it's incredible, but I'm really passionate about making sure that our businesses support our life and not the other way around. And so this entire workshop was created to help other business owners say, okay, This is how I'm going to plan out my year. And I'm going to make sure that my business is supporting my life and not the other way around. And you're going through and planning out when you're going to have launches, when you're going to have different promotions, and when you're going to work on different projects in your business based on what your life is going to look like in the next year. And so that's the whole premise of the workshop. And for everyone listening, if you head to the link that's in the show notes or go to amandawarfield.com slash a dash year dash in dash preview, which is ridiculously long. But if you use the coupon code PAP15, you'll get 15% off the workshop if you would like to check it out for yourself. Yes. And I also love that it can be suited for any phase and any season of life. Like I did it, you know, when I was working full time and had my business on the side, I did it when I went full time and just, you know, it it's just whatever you want your life to look like. So yeah, it's a great workshop. Go take it. <laughs> and you do get lifetime access. So you can- yeah. Do you like Sarah and retake yep. it year after year after year as you are preparing for the next year? Yes. I am going to book that into my calendar right now and have my little CEO CEO day. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I will leave all those links in the show notes. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a really great conversation. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Prophets Afogado podcast. For all the links mentioned in the episode, check out the show notes. And as always, I'd love it if you find me on Instagram at Marish Books, screenshot the episode, and tag me in your stories with your favorite takeaway. 